0: Welcome to an episode of Center Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks. And I'm Thomas Horton. And here on CineNation we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. And this month it is December and so we're discussing a genre that we, I think we've discussed, we've, 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 we've teased a little bit over the few years. We've done Christmas type movies, uh, Christmas adjacent, but this year we're doing, we called it Holiday Horror. It's more Christmas Horror specifically because <laughs> holiday could be halloween could be valentine's day but we're doing christmas horror this month and so thomas what have we kind of discussed this month regarding the christmas horror genre
1: well this is a throwback to our kind of christmas adjacent or anti-christmas episodes mm-hmm. that we've done as well but it, it's this idea that you've got kind of your you've got this kind of emotional toolhouse that's already packed up for you when you do one of these movies Mm -hmm. Uh, I I read a couple of interviews with our director from our movie today, and he kind of uh, he plugged into the exact same thing. He was just like, there's something about Christmas, like you're home with your family. It's like warm. It's happy. Everything's Mm -hmm. supposed to go right. So when you just take that setting and you make everything go wrong, as it tends to do in a horror movie, it makes it feel a little bit more impactful. Um, It's, you know, and, and Christmas movies in particular, we've we've talked about you know we've talked about the classics and and we've we've Mm -hmm. here and there we haven't done a full month on it but we've talked about kind of the hallmark stuff and 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 so i think christmas movies get this reputation as being like so schmaltzy um yeah which is like you know i think as we established last year which is sometimes undeserved like you, Mm -hmm. you if you actually go back and watch something like it's a wonderful life it's it's not just cheesy it's a, you know it's a well-made movie with with emotional depth and, and it's and kind all of
0: depressing that. for depressing for a good bit of the movie too yeah, so yeah. yeah
1: but it is kind of fun to take this genre that's known for being cheesy and 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 corny and and all of that and and take it and, and spin it in the opposite direction everything doesn't work out for everybody they, they don't you know it's the exact opposite it's as far as you can get from a hallmark movie
2: mm-hmm
0: And yeah, and you're seeing kind of like with these movies, how you can, I think the big key with these films is how you can use the holiday to your advantage. And that could be like, if it's it's carol singers or if it's wrapping someone up in Christmas lights Mm -hmm. or whatever, it's like using kind of the things that you expect to be happy and warm and massive elements of the holiday and you use it for a darker purpose if it's like Stabbing someone with an icicle, or mm-hmm. whatever, or if it's Santa doing the killing, there's certain things that like you expect to be innocent turn into something uh, more menacing. Yeah, and I think Black Christmas we talked about last week, where that it 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 uses Christmas very well in terms of its setting, and it uses kind of that adds the atmosphere. I think today's movie very much actively uses the holiday tropes or i or things uh as part of the the story or as part of the action is Mm -hmm. is the thing like there's more there's more like and and this is more of a tongue in cheek film with christmas it feels like than say black christmas which is more serious this is more of this kind of dark black comedy with with christmas and Mm -hmm. so yeah it's and so that's kind of the key is like how can how can you take the genre or take take the holiday and really use to your advantage because i think some movies i think one i just watched recently where it's set at christmas but it doesn't use any like really like it it could be set at any time basically Mm -hmm. and i think the key with a lot of these holiday horror these these christmas horror is it has to be integral to this story for it to be done at this at this holiday yeah um and i think last week did that and i think this week as we discuss more i think does a good job of kind of how to how to use the holiday to its advantage Mm -hmm. so that's kind of that's that's what we're kind of talking about and so thomas what is our movie today
1: our movie today is better watch out which was released in 2016 2017 we'll talk about that and had a kind of long long release schedule uh, it stars um, Olivia de Jong, uh Levi Miller, Ag- and Ed Oxenbold. It is written and directed by Chris Peckover, based on a story by Zach Kahn. And in Better Watch Out, uh, it is about a young babysitter who is trying to protect her 12-year-old uh, kid that she's, she's watching from a home invasion. But mm-hmm. it turns out that it might not uh, be all that it seems.
0: He's about turned thirteen, Thomas. That's, he's that's, almost thirteen, yeah. He's almost thirteen as he says. And, I love uh, that our our leads in both of our movies so far, their names are Olivia. Ooh. The the actresses yeah, that we <laughs> Yeah
1: uh and i'll just go ahead and give a blanket spoiler warning for this one <laughs> so you should probably uh it's a very twisty movie but it's a very early twist and so there's absolutely no way we yes. can talk about this movie without kind of talking about the twist so yeah, go go watch yeah. it now if you haven't seen it yet it is streaming yeah, it, it, literally everywhere we will talk about <laughs> that later
0: yeah it's yeah it's on pluto Tubi, shutter canopy crackle hoopla peacock freebie and as we've said, a lot of these places are free. Mm-hmm. So you might have to deal with commercials. You have to go through your library, or it's just you—you you, you deal with Peacock. Uh, so yeah, but yeah. Go ahead. So you, yeah, you. This was your choice today, Thomas.
1: Yeah, uh, I saw this one when, when it came out. I think I think I picked it up at, at uh, the video store at Cinefile. Um, Mm-hmm but it was one that got like a lot of buzz. It did like a full year festival run and we will talk later about kind of why, but it it just kind of came out with a lot of buzz and it was a year after Krampus. So there was this kind of renewed like Christmas horror comedy, uh, movement going on. And, um, yeah, rented it. It was kind of like, was kind of excited for it, rented it from the video store. And, um, was was, you know, had a good time with it and then proceeded to see it kind of not get as much play as Krampus in the years that followed. So it's been one mm-hmm. that I've kind of recommended to people, especially when you get started talking about like Christmas movies and people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't, I, I like the kind of ones that play, you know, I don't know about. Some people love the Hallmark ones, and that's fine. Like, uh, but but you know, sometimes you talk to people; they're like, "Oh, I like the ones that kind of play with it," and and I'm like, "Oh, yeah. I'm always like, have you seen Better Watch Out?" And yeah. and usually they say no, and so then I say, "It's streaming everywhere. Go check it out."
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's um, it's in a similar fashion. I came to it. I don't know if you told me to watch it. I feel like it's one that was kind of recommended me recommended to me by the guys at the video store and i think just around the same time we'd watched it or we watched around the same time independently of one another Mm -hmm. um and it's one that i i came in blindly Mm -hmm. about it so when the twist kind of happens i'm like oh this is what this movie's about Mm -hmm. and it it is this kind of like it uses that kind of hallmark style it feels everything feels clean Mm -hmm. um in a way but it it, but it's it's almost like there's a purpose for that of why it's clean at the beginning it's going to get very messy and and bloody as we go on yeah and yeah it's it's one that i i i find myself recommending to people it's not one that has really caught on in any way it feels like in terms of a cult status maybe i'm wrong we'll we'll, i'll wait to hear what you have to say about it yeah yeah yeah. um it it, but it is one like because i yeah i i know krampus was was a big studio christmas horror mm-hmm. and that was like i remember when that came out that was being like billboards everywhere around like la about mm-hmm. krampus and um and yeah and so it's one it, it feels very much like one of those like video store recommends or just like, like you said kind of like oh you've seen all that stuff but have you seen this movie yeah and and i think it's a movie that wears its influences on its sleeves. Mm -hmm. um it it very much directly reference references home alone which is Mm -hmm. the big kind of like home alone but if if macaulay culkin was the bad guy
1: yeah um which is i I think one of the reviews that that got me really interested in it which i think is an excellent when i pitch it to people i think it's an excellent way to put it is um is it's home alone but if it had like r-rated consequences which which if you when you pitch that to somebody and they start watching it I don't think you immediately go, Oh, the kid's that's a psychopath, fair. but then it, it still plays out. You know, it, it yeah. works both ways that the yeah. description kind of works both ways. And, and, and that that's kind of the thesis of the film that we'll get into is the the way that the director approached it.
0: Yeah. But then you even have kind of the references of like, cause I think one of the interviews you said, it's, it's like, it's a uh, home alone meets scream mm-hmm. is the thing. And I could see that. And I also like, you could argue like a little bit of black Christmas in there with the phone calls and mm-hmm. stuff and how they're, and how the phone calls coming from inside the house. Um, also, real quick, I told you I saw Black Christmas before the show. I know mm-hmm. I'm tangent, real quick, but the guy we should talk about more uh, is Mr. Harris, the dad. Like oh, yeah? I, w- I watched at the New Art Theater, and I was watching I was like, wow, he's actually better than we discussed because <laughs> a lot of his stuff is non dialogue. So I just mm. had to bring it up, and I was like very impressed by him, and he has just this great kind of arc of like becoming from going from like upset parent to like completely in shock by the end of it (laughs) by his daughter missing um but just a really great performance and done mostly with his eyes with not that much dialogue anyway just want to bring that up real quick before we go on um but yeah it it wears its reference its influence on its sleeves and i think it i won't jump too far ahead but it does a good job of kind of carving out its own little, like, uh, section in, in the Christmas holiday horror um, hierarchy. hmm
1: yeah. Um,
0: so, yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. How does this movie come to be, Thomas?
1: So, let's do a little bit of backstory on our, our writer-director. So, Chris Peckover uh, adapted this from an earlier version of the script and, and directed it. Uh, he This was just his second feature. His first feature uh, was a horror movie in 2010 called undocumented it was a found footage horror Mm -hmm. movie about a documentary crew following a group of undocumented immigrants coming across the border into america they're intercepted by like a like a border patrol militia group who proceeds to like torture them it kind of turns into like late 2000s torture porn Mm -hmm. um peckover in, in interviews it, it, it didn't do very well at all and peckover kind of admits he says he, he was about seven years too early if he had dropped it in like 2017 you would have everyone like talking about the border because of trump yeah. and and you would yeah. have people more open to kind of like political horror because of jordan peele mm-hmm. uh but it, he, he got enough attention at festivals that people kind of started to offer him projects and that kind of stuff so, not long after he finished his festival tour with Undocumented, uh, Peckover was approached by producers Brian Hamble and Paul Jensen. They had a script from Zach Kahn, who was a staff writer at Mad TV, uh, and he had put this script together called Safe Neighborhood, about a babysitter protecting a 12 year old boy she's watching from a mysterious home invasion a la the strangers, uh, with a surprising third act plot twist. Uh, key on third act.
0: Um, yeah, I, I, I was uh, interesting
1: uh peckover got the script and was really excited about it especially at the idea of making a christmas horror because he cites gremlins as like one of his favorite movies so he uh was was very into the idea yeah
0: because i always felt i mean we'll tell us later but it I always felt like it has a very joe dante style mm-hmm. with how it's done visually he
1: also cites poltergeist as like one of his all-time favorites so i could see that <laughs> i could see that yeah uh so Peckover did an initial rewrite with Khan before taking over the script completely um, as he had a vision to change the structure of the movie around. So Khan's script already had plenty of allusions to Home Alone, Home Alone but Peckover said he saw an opportunity to evoke even more of John Hughes's work in the film by mu- moving the third act plot twist up to much earlier in the movie. It kind of marks mm-hmm. the first act into second act, really. It's a little it bit... Is, it,
0: yeah. it, it, it's, it's kind of the like... Uh, um... Yeah, like you said, it's the plot point one or whatever where it, it's there's no turning back in a way. It's, mm-hmm. it's like it's the, the the character is now on their journey and they're they're not looking backwards, basically.
1: Yeah. So Peckover said when he started kind of looking back at John Hughes's films with an eye towards this movie, he was fascinated with how many of Hughes's characters are just extremely, extremely manipulative and mm-hmm. are praised for being. So whether it's Kevin McAllister, Ferris Bueller or John Bender and he wanted to make a movie with a huge, a Hughes type of character, someone who's pulling all the strings, uh, but not frame it as them being the good guy. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, how scary would it be if Ferris, B- if Ferris Bueller was a force for evil? Mm-hmm. Um, so he moved the reveal up to the second act, which allows the film, uh, the audience to kind of watch horrified as this character's plans play out perfectly for him mm-hmm. you know which is what we do in a lot of those those john Hughes movies uh, peckover also made the addition of the character of garrett thinking it would ground the character of luke a little bit by showing that somebody in the world would want to be friends with him you know? yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um
1: so with peckover on board and a new script in hand uh, producers hamble and jensen set out to cast the film while planning to shoot the film on a quiet little street in south carolina oh wow uh for a production budget of about half a million dollars uh, okay did you notice anything about the cast of this film
0: um I'm a little, I, I I will say I saw this in the credits so a good bit of them and also Olivia DeJong is that how DeJong. You pronounce her name? okay Olivia de I knew she was Australian because of the Elvis movie
2: mm-hmm. so
0: I assumed that a lot of them were Australian mm-hmm Except like Patrick Warburton and Virginia Madsen, yeah, and, uh,
2: and,
0: and 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 uh uh Dockery, Montgomery Dacre all,
1: Montgomery, he's Australian. D-
0: Dacre Montgomery also in Elvis, so mm. they're both in Elvis. Uh,
1: yeah. So it's probably safe to assume that they didn't shoot it in South Carolina, just based on how many Australians are in the uh, are in the cast. So the team was about to finalize the deal. They, Peckover says like, they were like literally had the paperwork they're about to, to finalize the deal to shoot in South Carolina when Australian production uh, producer Brett Thornquist got wind of the project. Uh, mm. Thornquist had spent the last few years setting up a niche in Australia with his production company Storm Vision, where he would shoot small genre films in Australia, utilizing the very generous tax credits in Australia. And then distribute the films internationally as Thornquist himself has admitted that Australia doesn't really have a market for genre films. So it doesn't, doesn't really like make him any money to do it there. So he's figured out he can like lure people to Australia, shoot it, and then put it out in their like home country. Oh, this is
0: like the second harm we down done a little bit that was supposed to be shooting in like a small town America vibe or like a, not LA basically a mm-hmm. regional thing. And then it wound up in Australia
1: yep, with X, 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 X and Pearl. Well, and then, you know, that's kind of what house that screamed was done as well. They were like, we're going to shoot it here, but it, this is for Americans. Um, yeah. So safe neighborhood, the script comes across Thornquist's desk and he's interested in the project. But, you know, it's like, oh, maybe I'll try and get this. But then he's talking to somebody and they're talking about Peckover, who's signed on to be the director. And he finds out that although Peckover is from Canada and now lives in Los Angeles, his mother was Australian. And he is even though he's only been a few times to visit his grandmother, he has dual citizenship in Australia. And immediately the dollar signs start flashing. For for thornquist because under the Australian film tax credits, a film can get the maximum tax rebate, which is forty percent in Australia. If
0: it's, a, if it's a local filmmaker, probably if right? it,
1: if everyone above the line and all of your top cast are Australian.
0: Wow. And
1: so <laughs> and so uh, Peckover says he just like started getting all these calls from this guy that was just like, "Don't sign anything. I can make this movie in Australia, and I can give you six times your budget." if you come to australia so he was like okay yeah six times the budget great let's do it <laughs> um mm-hmm. there's just one problem you move in the film this the, the film was scheduled to be shot around christmas time um yeah. even though do, shooting it in south carolina is not gonna it's not it's not like you're gonna get much snow anyway uh um, yeah. but if you're familiar with the way uh geography works that is the dead of summer in australia yep. mm-hmm so Peckover said, you know, I'm I'm really open to this idea, but here's the problem. How are we gonna do this idyllic Christmas neighborhood in Australia? Do you guys have a neighborhood that would pass for this kind of generic American suburb? It's not really said where the movie's set. And Peckover said, I'm giving you so much money, we'll build it. I'll get you a sound stage and we'll build oh the whole God. thing. <laughs> Which this guy at Peckover, it's like he was like, This is my second movie. My first movie was a found footage uh, micro budget yeah, horror film, like Building a whole house on a sound stage is is insane to me. Yeah, but it was very this, pro- this
0: this producer is just like, no 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 no, I'll give you everything yeah. you want and more. Yeah,
1: three million. You can do it for five hundred thousand was what they were intending to do in South Carolina. I'll give you three million. Like yeah okay cool. Um, so they they had some casting progress. We'll we'll talk about that later. But they had to just kind of throw that all aside and start casting in Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I was going yeah, to ask if they had like just people like lined up for mm-hmm. it in America. Okay, which I
1: couldn't find. If Patrick Warburton and uh, Virginia Madsen kind of like rolled over from that, but uh, as as like kind of these guest roles, they were allowed to bring them in from America. But... Yeah,
0: I, I do love that they they just got like kind of a, a, a nice Australian trip out of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Is the thing, or I? I hope it was a nice Australian trip for them. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, so they had to cast the main cast as Australian. But it, it's you know it's interesting. I think I don't know if you had done this in America. I don't know that a film of this size would get like this kind of like freshman class of actor because all these kids had done pretty big stuff. So when they cast this movie, Levi Miller had just done Joe Wright's Peter Pan movie where he played Peter Pan. Olivia De and Ed oxenbolt had just both just played siblings in M Night Shyamalan's *The Visit*, and uh, Dacre Montgomery had already shot *Power Rangers*, but it hadn't come out yet, and
0: yeah. was Stranger about Thing to Se- do *Stranger Things* season two. Yeah. yeah, I forgot he was in. I always forget he was in *Power Rangers*.
1: Yeah. Um. So they've got the cast. They're ready to shoot. They're coming to Australia. They're about to get their soundstage to build out this house. There's just one problem. Mel Gibson is shooting Hacksaw Ridge in Australia, and he has booked out every soundstage in town.
0: Yeah, that sounds about right.
1: The almost, with, that, with that big of a movie. There's only one soundstage available in the city where they're shooting, and it is the biggest and most expensive one in town. I was like, is so- it run
0: by Peter Jackson or something like that?
1: <laughs> um, so Cameron? they're heading into shooting. And they are already a quarter million dollars over budget because they've been forced to get this soundstage that they did not want. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they they're starting to slash the budget as they go into shooting. So we'll talk a little bit about where the budget was slashed with our on set life. But let's let's cover some scenes in this.
0: Yeah, I will, yeah. Um. Also, thing I realized I said X and Pearl were in Osha. They're in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And I'm not yes. mistaken. Yes, Sorry. yes, yes. They
1: were in New Zealand.
0: Um. All right. Favorite scenes. Let's see. I have a lot of. I mean, I love when Ashley figures it out. I love the twist. Basically, mm-hmm. when she realizes, when she's the first thing she goes, that's your mask. When when mm-hmm. like you have you have the you have this unknown assailant in the in the house with the shotgun walking around, and they're trapped in the closet, almost like Halloween esque, where mm-hmm. they're waiting for the killer to come in. And then she just notices a little detail, and quickly becomes just like gets up and confronts this assailant, and it ends up being Garrett, who is um the best friend of the movie is is Luke's best friend, and you realize that everything before then, which we'll discuss two prime favorite scenes, um is <laughs> um has been a, a ruse basically. Mm-hmm. What I love is that Ashley just like. The whole time, Luke has been like, kind of poking at her and trying to get like a little bit closer and 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 get out. The, I'm I'm not again. am not a kid. I'm I'm like I'm your level or whatever. I would be perfect for you. It's very much this toxic friend type mm-hmm. thing. Even though he's younger than her. And she just lets him be that way because he's young and this or that. And then when this happens, it just allows her to let loose and say everything yeah. that's probably been building such up. such a little freak. Yeah, you're a little he is. You're weirdo. It's, it's a weird,
1: yeah. He's got a weird mom. Uh, we've, we've talked talked a lot about bad moms in, in our slasher yes. Uh, month. Yes, but, it's, um,
0: very, it's very Norman and Norma Bates. Yes.
1: It. And he's, he's a weird kid. <laughs> Even before you know how how like weird he is.
0: Well, like, because that—that's why I thought. That's why I liked about in that first thirty minutes is that it does a decent job. There's a few moments where it kind of breaks, but like, he comes off as just a kid, mm-hmm. like this, this like love-stricken puppy dog kid who's trying to seem more mature for his age to get the, the the older attractive high schooler to notice him, mm-hmm. and and I think that. Works and then you find out he's a psychopath. Um, after after the the kind of big reveal, um, but I, I I like that first thirty minutes, um, where it's establishing all that and and we can probably break it down more, um, more uh the minute kind of stuff of it. But I I like the first thirty minutes and I like that kind of the twist and I do I do wonder what happens if you move that twist to later on in the movie Mm -hmm. i will say um that's kind of intriguing i would be interested to see what that script is like
1: yeah i feel like you've got to get a lot more convoluted with the the like kind of invasion story part of it yeah and then it's just the end is just all explaining how he's been pulling the strings the whole time
0: yeah i think it's like one two things i think if it's if it's I, i almost wonder what it would be like if it was the midpoint of the movie is, is my thing and mm. not the, cause it's, it's the problem right now is why I think, and, and not to jump this far ahead with anything, not work with it, but I think it gets a little slow in that back half. Um, because we, because we're dealing with Lucas, he's such a psychopath and it's, it's hard for him to be kind of your, Lead person throughout when mm-hmm. uh, like Ashley's tied up most of the time. Mm-hmm. That's my only little qualm with it. Um, so that's why I wonder like if the perfect movie with this is the reveals happening at the midpoint, and then you have a lot more time to to go into it. It's not this free for all at the end. If it's the the, the third act twist. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, but what's one of your favorite scenes? I, 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 well, I do talking. like
1: I, I do like moving from that to kind of the 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 I think the real kind of break moment between what you think the movie is going to be and what it becomes is when he when he slaps her and and knocks her down the stairs yes um which is when you realize that garrett's like not in on what's going on and 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 then that's when he kind of reveals his true self and i do think i I think it's a good i think it's a really good uh tone change in that Mm. everything up until then has been kind of basic it's kind of your basic christmas movie it's shot very like everything's very well lit it's shot like home alone like it's yeah. this nice house everything's yeah. perfectly lit everything's bright nothing even when it's like trying to be scary it's really not that mm-hmm. scary and then you get that and, and so there is kind of a, I, I it's you know it's been many years since i saw it for the first time but i can't remember kind of sitting there and being like okay i'm i'm in for this to be the whole movie because i don't know if i would be um yeah but then when that happens you're like oh th- this is completely different than what mm-hmm. i thought it would, was going to be and it does it does become this weird I, I, and we'll talk about when we get to the reviews a lot of people don't like that you that you're following him and and yeah. you're not the movie itself is never really you know there there is this kind of am i supposed to be rooting for all of this plan to come together yeah. like it's it's kind of a morbid fascination that you that yeah. you you watch it all go down which is i think is really unique i don't know a lot of movies that kind of pull that off but mm-hmm. maybe american psycho i don't know yeah, but, yeah. um but yeah I, I really like that moment and and i i, <laughs> I really like ed Oxenbolt in this i um I like him doing that. <laughs> I think I, I think the first time I watched this movie, I was kind of intending to hate watch it because I hated The Visit, and <laughs> I really didn't like either of them in The Visit. Um, but he's really good in this, and 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 I've I've liked him in, in other stuff since then. But um, yeah, because then they go straight from that scene to him being like doped up on. Uh, Luke has to like dope him up on oxycontin to get him to like go along with the plan. <laughs>
0: yeah. What what am I uh, oxy? Oh wow, yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's like he just he becomes like just a drug head in the, in the mm-hmm. reality he's smoking pot for like some of it when when and mm-hmm. luke gets upset with him He told me to calm down man i'm just i'm just smoking pot should,
1: should we go to that scene because that's the uh that's the home Aloneing scene
0: yeah let's go to that scene because that and, and they make reference to home alones the home alone paint thing early on mm-hmm. like very early on they're just like oh like we proved that like basically Luke thinks you'll kill the per- you'll kill someone if the paint if a paint can hits their face like it does in Home Alone, and Garrett just thinks they'll fall backwards and that's it. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes this very tense moment when so you have the they've set up Ricky. Ricky is is Ashley's ca- boyfriend at the time. It's the kind of like is he an asshole is he not type thing, or is it just is it high school romance because they're they're kind of bickering on the phone back and forth he shows up um he gets tied up with ashley um and that's when at a certain point luke wants to do the home alone the home alone paint can um attack on on ricky and that's when garrett is who's high starts to i think really starts to question what luke is doing at, i mean at this point especially mm-hmm. the aftermath but you also have ashley who's trying to break out of her chair at this point in time. So you have this kind of cutting back and forth uh, and building the tension of what's going to happen with Ricky and will this paint that what, what will actually happen with this home alone esque attack?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that's, you know, that's, it's this, it, that's another turning point in this movie because we, we yeah. find out right after that, like the gun's never been loaded and like like, yep. it's, it's all it, it, that Luke has always passed it off to Garrett as this, like, we're going to scare even when he's got her tied up it's like hey we're just we're just doing this a scare then we're gonna roofie her she's gonna forget what happened and we'll be fine and and so he just keeps building and building and then he's like i'm just gonna kill this guy and and you're like what and then you find (laughs) out that that's been part of the plan the whole time but yeah um,
0: that's why i wondered this time it was like what was what was plan a for this entire what was his plan a like was it just to like but then it kind of, she kind of says it later on where, like, the plan was never to let me go. And he's just like, yep. Mm-hmm. And so I guess the plan was always what ends up happening.
1: Yeah. Like, it's just kind of it, it, he passes it off as this kind of like, oh, I'm doing it for, so you'll like me. But I think it's always kind of been vengeance <laughs> on on her and the guys that that she kind of yeah. passed him over for.
0: Yeah. Uh, or he's just really good at calling audibles. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. like it's 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 one of the two. Um yeah i i do we jumped ahead of this but i do i do like patrick warburton and virginia madsen
2: mm-hmm.
0: as as the parents um as well early on that but no sorry i keep jumping around but backtrack with the home alone thing the kind of like visceral or kind of memorable image visceral image and i think it's mentioned in one of the reviews you sent is when you have the paint. you don't see the paint can hitting his face mm-hmm. ricky's face and you just hear it and it kind of everyone reacts to it and you kind of figure what might have happened but then where it's like the paint is dripping down his body and that yellow paint turns into a mix of yellow paint and red blood
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and it becomes a lot of red blood and then you just realize oh he's dead Mm -hmm. and then and then luke and his psychopathic nature comes and he's like oh my god his head just exploded Mm -hmm. and i mean i don't want to test that theory of if the paint can does that to someone um I wonder how they MythBuster that in, re- in real life. <laughs> watermelon. Uh, oh, is that what it? Watermelon? You, you, I, they, I mean,
1: I think that's the... Cl- when they do, like, ballistic tests on MythBusters, I feel like they always used watermelons.
0: I wonder if they've done that. Have they, d- have they done the Home Alone I can't remember. One? It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's that. that's kind of your that that's when you talk about r-rated consequences that's where it really comes into play because now someone's dead mm-hmm. like beforehand it's i don't know if it's point no return it kind of is um because but they've
1: always been like ashley's always been like let me go and we'll just forget this all happened or forget all this which, yeah. which i mean you know probably was not gonna happen anyway but then it's like once once ricky's dead it's like okay well now we have to we see can't this ba- through
0: yeah we can't back out now it's like it's either we have to concoct this really insane story of how Ricky got here, tied up, um, and and killed with a paint can, um, or or yeah, or, or or we all leave. But yeah, it, it's I, well, I I think I don't yeah I don't know if she if she means it or not because you also we add this thing where like she's leaving to move three days later or mm-hmm. whatever like after christmas she's moving her and her family are moving so this is also why luke is doing this is his last ditch effort to what you think is to impress the girl that he's had feelings for or is it just again revenge plot um for everything that she she did by passing him over the this young well-deserving guy boy um but yeah so ricky but so the ricky thing happens and then i I mean i don't know if this is my favorite scene in this movie um but Dockery montgomery as as jeremy is perfection yeah like when he comes in and because because he had that first phone call where like when when uh luke calls him he just he kind of seems like a jerk and it's like it's kind of your typical like ex of like I'm coming there now. Like, he, like almost like he could be the guy from stranger things mm-hmm. with like how he, in the phone call. And then when he's like in the car and he's like talking to himself, I'm like, Oh, Hey Ashley. Hey Ashley. Yeah. Yeah. We're cool. We're cool. We're cool. We're cool. <laughs> and with his like dollar sign hat that he's wearing, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this, it, it, this guy could steal the whole movie just in this scene right now because he's just—he's so good. He's so good, mm-hmm. he's so good in that. and and then you have the kind of afterwards where Luke comes out and kind of asks him, like, "Hey, write—I I want you to—she wants you to write a letter, uh, uh like saying uh, uh, like why you're sorry and like what you like, why you want her back or or yeah, say say basically apologize to her in letter form. And then he just like writes, "I'm sorry," and that's it. And he's like, "That's all you're doing. Mm-hmm. You got to write more than that." Um, but I, I love that. I mean, he, he like comes in for this two scene thing and really that, that could be such a forgettable performance, mm-hmm. but Montgomery makes it so good.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, that's the only time really in this that we, cause so much of this, so much of the kind of horror in this one is like surprise because we never know. Luke's always like two steps ahead of us. And that's yes. the only scene where it's really like we we can kind of once once he's like, hey, write this letter to Ashley. We kind of start going like, oh, okay, he's staging that's this he's as doing. like a suicide note, and he's going to blame yeah. this guy for everything. So it is kind of the only time it's like, ah, oh, look behind you, man. You know, it's like, come on, yeah. dude, just turn around. But he's yeah. you know completely underestimating this 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 twelve year old.
0: What about another scene that you like?
1: I. I really like the kind of end as he's cleaning everything up. I think it's fascinating to see everything yeah, come too. together. And then he's, you know, he's got the, oh my God, the, the hole in the in Ricky's cheek. And oh, he has sheesh. to run back down and do that. And he's got to get the, the door. yeah, And then he's got the pin- got to get the pencil in his door because he sleepwalks. And he's got to go around. And it's like, you're watching it and you're feeling nervous. It's, you know, it's one anytime you watch it, like a crime movie or something, you're like, why do I want? someone to get away with something like I, this kid <laughs> deserves to go like hey, this this needs to happen but but for the sake of the movie you you know you can't you want the you, you want the plan you want to see the plan play out you know yeah. <laughs> even though it's it's awful yeah. uh, what,
0: what what i love is that like the thing that he had he was least prepared for was the simplest thing in the movie and that's the pencil on the doorknob
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's the one thing he can't get right mm-hmm. Um, and he has to. F- he finds himself climbing out on the on the uh the roof uh of the house. What I thought this time, you know, I'd seen it before. I was like, I was like, okay, what happens to the end here? And I wondered, I was like, does he just like randomly fall off and also die? And they're just <laughs> thinking like it was this mass, like like picture of like everyone died in the in the house, and mm-hmm. the parents just come home. How talk about just dark comedy? Is it that's just the perfect ending of like he does all the stuff to like get revenge then he also dies Mm -hmm. um but no i I love that i call it like this the psychotic montage where he's just like dancing around and getting Mm -hmm. everything done and cleaning and making it some of this perfect um perfect murder basically a perfect crime um with everything and yeah i think i think it's fascinating i i get the kind of um worries some people have like oh how can we like because I don't, I don't, he doesn't have to be likable i just think because he's so weird and psychotic he's compelling to me is the mm-hmm. thing
1: when well, you um, know you always we've talked about this in in the heist movie month like you always want to see a plan come together there's something yeah. there's something in in watching a movie like you've got it you're we're just we're, we're it's ingrained in us that like i want to see this plan work out you never want to yeah. see a plan fail even if it means <laughs> uh the, that it's he like, kills all these people it's but, like
0: you want clive owen to get away an inside man yeah. that's the oh, thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. absolutely
1: absolutely yeah. um and, and and so to see and and you know and then they they bring back that asset the aesthetic of the 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 yellow paint like it's just great yeah. it gets gets the yellow paint and the fingerprints on everything um yeah you got the crisp- <laughs> Yeah got the christmas music playing yeah it's 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 fun it, it's yeah. really twisted but it's a good time yeah yeah
0: no i agree and um what was that i think it was an earlier scene oh going off kind of the twisted nature of it and kind of playing with the christmas elements i love earlier on after the house the the, the home alone thing when the when the carolers are outside singing and and he's like in his christmas sweater listening and very happy mm-hmm. and then the camera kind of pans and you see like Jeremy or uh, Ricky, uh just like dead and in- like right inside the doorway, mm-hmm. and then like Ashley still, still uh tied up in the kitchen or whatever. Yeah, like it's it's the like it's again it's the twisted nature of like you don't know what's behind you know what's behind closed doors. Yeah, is the thing.
1: And I love I love all the moments that remind us that he's still a twelve year old. Like you know, it's, there's all this like evil genius stuff going on, and then it's it's yeah. stuff like like him and Garrett arguing about you know the the pot smoke it's like you know this guy is is is, has has a dead body or like has been planning uh at this point there's no not a dead body but he's been you know he's been planning out these kidnappings but he's like can't he's like i gotta murder somebody because you smoked weed like (laughs) this i can't get rid of pot smoke in the couch so now (laughs) now this murder is happening
0: well that's Uh, what he says he's he's like he's like i had to do it because you smoked weed man it's like when 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 he kills ricky it's mm -hmm. like oh yeah like we gotta have so so you gotta think like if Garrett doesn't smoke weed, does no one die the entire night? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that's why what, that's what's like. Is it an audible that like once he kills Ricky, he's like, well, no, because he calls he calls Jamie beforehand, mm-hmm. so it it is kind of a plan. I guess it is kind of a plan.
1: Yeah. Um, but you yeah, know, I I one of the reviews I read, I think they made a really interesting point. They were like, this is such, it, It's obviously very heightened, but it is such an interesting look at teenagers that we yeah. don't get in movies often because it's all just like, like, especially like 12, 13 year olds. It's just like uncontrollable, uh, sexual, you know, this this kid is just, he, he has no idea anything about sex, but he's also like obsessed with it and very intelligent. And then obviously, in, and especially in the internet age, he's talking about, you know, buying roofies off the internet and whatnot, but like zero emotional intelligence whatsoever. Yeah. like, and, and and ultimately, that does boil down to like, I'm not saying all teenagers are psychopaths, but there is something <laughs> there's something very psychopathic about teenagers, because when 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 we're that age, we can't I, I don't I, I think very few teenagers really have a concept of empathy at that yeah. point in their lives, because we're so obsessed with ourselves. And I'm, I'm, you know, speaking from experience, it's like the world revolves around us when when you're like 13, 14, 15. Um, and, you know, I don't think most of us would take it to the extent of of uh you know murdering all these people to get someone to 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 love you or whatever but, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. can you can see that happening with with a crazy yeah. little mixed up 12 year old brain exposed to the internet like that's yeah that, that could yeah
0: happen. well it is i agree with that because his viewpoints on like who ashley is kind well, he kind of makes as he finds out later he's like like how when they do the truth or dare scene, mm-hmm. which is a scene I also kind of like, when he's just like, "How many, how many guys have you had sex with?" or whatever, and and he doesn't believe her when she says zero, and it's he's built up this image of like when you hit uh, it, with her that like she's she's like a, a a slut or something, and mm-hmm. and or or when you get a certain age like her because she's the highest girl that she can just get any guy she wants, she's sleeping around all these guys, but she casts, "I've literally had sex with zero people." and then when like ricky comes in he still thinks like he still thinks that they had sex and she's just lying he's like how many times did you tap that ricky like it's like he thinks he's being an adult and like trying to be cool Mm. and he doesn't have an understanding of what it is and like what people are like and high school and how a lot of that shit is just talk as Mm -hmm. as ashley says i broke up with jeremy because he said that we slept together but we didn't and that's why i ended it Mm -hmm. um and so yeah it's like he he does have this kind of just very preteen, early teen like you can just go see a pg-13 movie type teen uh view of how the world is or how relationships and how sex is this Mm -hmm. kind of thing which makes him this just like boiling over with sexual repression i guess you could say and then you mm-hmm. had the weird stuff with the mom like because it, it, it doesn't really come off early on the weird stuff with the mom because i had to replay this um because when when he had kind of the kill of what you think is the killing of ashley when he's just like when i was younger like my mom used to hold me until i fell asleep and then she just stopped doing it and, and now i can't sleep that well anymore and i'm just like that's a weird thing to say all of a sudden
1: and then it's like <laughs>
0: I think you wonder, like, was this all just to get his mom to, like, care for him in that way again? Was that the whole... It was
1: a, definitely a bonus for him.
0: Yeah, because then she she becomes that again where she's holding him in his, his
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, bedroom. And you had that like, weird kind of ending shot when, like, she's behind him holding on to him as he's, like, standing in the window. Um, but, yeah. And I, I'll I ask you this. How do you feel about the Ashley... Uh, I use quotations around death scene because... Uh, she doesn't die
1: mm-hmm.
0: um how do you feel that plays out
1: i mean i think you know i think the the thing with the duct tape it, it, as like adr as it is i think it, it makes sense they like yeah. plant it that that she's very she, they plant that she's resourceful and they also plant that she's kind of been messing around with the duct tape the whole time uh i don't know that he would have you know not finished the job uh but i but i do i i do think you know he makes he's a 12 year old he makes mistakes (laughs) like uh i i wouldn't put it past him to 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 screw something up it's kind of you know that's the whole thing is that it's kind of beyond belief that he that a 12 year old is able to pull off the perfect crime but that's that's yeah kind of the home alone of it all um is you know what what would happen if kevin McAllister was a psychopath which some people would argue that he is in the first
0: place (laughs) Yeah, yeah so does she put the duct tape on after she's been stabbed is the thing yeah, that stopped yeah, yeah, okay.
1: yeah she she patched up the, the stab wound with duct tape
0: and then my last question with this is how do you feel did you see the tag kind yeah. of the, like the, the mid credits thing mm-hmm. where it's like uh because the mid credits is like you have the credit start and then it comes back and it's just like I feel I, I, I'm i worried about Ashley can we go to the hospital and see her and you're like oh is he about to go like kill her I at the hospital yeah <laughs> you still better watch out um yeah what do you think happens there that's like a story question i have like or do you first off do you like they add that
1: i think it's fun because like like we said it there's always this kind of question throughout the movie is whether or not this is all exactly as he planned it or whether he's just yeah like you said really good at calling audibles and he's obviously really good at calling audibles too because he, he's not <laughs> he's not giving up he, you know, he's you yeah. It's not like mom we should leave the country like it's <laughs> <And he's laughs> like i'm gonna i'm gonna finish, I'm gonna this. finish this job yeah.
0: she's not going to pittsburgh i swear to god <laughs> like it's i mean it very much is uh if i can't have her no one can Is mm-hmm. kind of is kind of what this whole thing is it feels like with him
1: uh so to get back to onset life we talked about these budget cuts so let's get into how the shoot was Now you know they've been lured to australia with a with a big budget and, and then it's, it's been taken away by mel gibson uh so Peckover, I've read a lot of interviews with Peckover, and uh, the word grueling comes up a lot. Um, oh, wow. Uh, one of the things that came down the line with the budget cuts was they were allotted two hours of air conditioning a day on in the soundstage in the middle of oh, summer. Oh, no. Uh, middle of summer, and everyone's wearing Christmas sweaters, and they could only turn the air conditioner on for two hours a day this is a direct quote from peckover i can't describe to you the agony of that shoot especially for the cast
0: oh my god
1: and for anyone who, who hasn't been on a set to the uh even if it's hot outside the lights on yeah. the set add an extra like 10 20 degrees
0: oh my god
1: Whew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, he was very impressed with the young cast, though. Um, he mm-hmm. he said he really caught them all kind of at the perfect time if they had done, like we said, they'd kind of done big movies. They weren't all fresh, but they were yeah. all still really kind of uh, hungry to prove themselves. And much like we talked about with X and Pearl, Peckover benefited from a very experienced crew in, in Australia, like Pearl did in New Zealand. Uh, Richard Hobbs was the production designer on this. He had been the supervising art director on Mad Max Fury Road, and he went straight from this movie to thor ragnarok oh wow pretty solid films and they grabbed their stunt coordinator george saliba uh fresh off the hobbit trilogy so
0: i i i just love hearing that when when it's just like oh yeah we got these big people from these big movies and they're just gonna do this like three million dollar film the contained thriller
1: uh another part of the budget that was slashed was the vfx budget which you know, you think about the movie, you're like, okay, I don't, can't even really think of any VFX shots in the movie. Uh, but a decent m- amount of the budget had been allotted to create CGI spiders. Oh. Uh, Peckover and DeYoung had discussed the scene in length in which the CGI spiders would crawl over DeYoung's face. You know, they were talking about how she was going to react and all that stuff. And he's like, yeah. you know, Ashley's terrified of spiders. DeYoung's like, well, that works out because I too am terrified of spiders so when the cgi budget got cut the producers were like "Well, we can get real spiders and peckover was like no i wouldn't do that to olivia Mm -hmm. she's got arachnophobia we'll just cut the scene so he went to her to say like hey we've got to cut the spider scene and she said oh no i was really looking forward to that scene let's can we do it with real spiders and he was like i no, you said (laughs) you have arachnophobia and she's like nah let's do it so um so yeah real spiders she's hanging upside down from the attic she's got tarantulas crawling over her face that was that was her idea
0: wow good for her like that's wow a trooper right there Mm -hmm. i guess you say
1: uh peckover was also very impressed with levi miller's ability to ad lib and bring ideas to the character of luke he said some takes he would just tell miller just chew up the scenery and would just kind of let him go uh he said one of one of luke's uh mannerisms that miller came up with was the way he kind of has this like is you know very childish of him but the way he kind of has this oral fixation on the gun he's always kind of like rubbing it around his his mouth and like on his face he was like miller actually did that in the audition for the for the movie and he was like yes that keep that uh it's just another in his weird mommy issues uh still in brain yeah. development uh, still in the oral <laughs> fixation uh, portion of yeah. his childhood mm-hmm. so to get into the aftermath um after going into post peckover admits he's a pretty brutal editor he was given a 95 minute rough cut by the editor when when they came out he sliced it down to 82 minutes oh wow handed that off to uh the distributors and they said can you please put two minutes back into it because apparently 84 minutes is the sweet spot for selling a movie to television. Interesting. Um
0: because you can probably you can probably do uh 30 over 30 minutes worth of commercials I guess is the thing. Yeah. So it's a, it's a 2-hour window.
1: Mhm. So you had to go back and find 2 minutes. That's you don't know, that doesn't happen often.
0: No, no. <laughs> I got to put 2 minutes back in the movie.
1: Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I read an interview with him. He's like, "I hope I hope the audience doesn't feel those 2 minutes, but I definitely do when I watch it. And I'm like, damn, this is this guy likes a concise movie."
0: Yeah well it's funny because i i heard ryan johnson actually say something in like an interview. He's like the perfect time for me was like 84 86 minutes so <laughs> i don't know
1: so thornquist had cut a deal with universal to distribute the film internationally but they didn't want the american distribution of it so <laughs> thornquist kind of handed it over to peck over and was like you're american you <laughs> You figure out what to do. Do whatever. Yeah, you figure out what to do in America. So Peckover brought it back to America. He started doing some kind of test screenings. Uh, yeah. And it was during one of those screenings that he was approached by Josh Olson. Josh Olson was a trailer editor who had met uh, Peckover's boyfriend at a music festival, had uh-huh. friended Peckover's boyfriend on Facebook, and had shown up to the test screening after he saw Peckover's boyfriend post about it on Facebook. Uh-huh. He was like, hey, my boyfriend's having a screening of this movie he directed. We'd love people to come out and let us know what they think. So very loose ties between the two, but it worked out yeah. because Olsen had experience marketing horror films. At that point, he had just recently cut the trailer for the movie lights out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he came up to peck over after the screening and said, I love your film. And I know why you're having a hard time finding distribution right now. It's because no one knows how to market your film. Mm-hmm. So he said, let's go out and get a drink and I'll tell you what I think free of charge so they went out for drinks that night and laid out a three-step marketing plan including an extensive genre festival run and most importantly changing the title to a more christmas central one so from safe neighborhood to better watch out
0: it's mm-hmm. uh, a good good title change i yeah, think
1: absolutely uh, the yeah. film premiered at the at a very famous genre festival fantastic fest one of one of the mm-hmm. tops as far as genre filmmaking goes so that premiered in september 2016 it earned very positive reviews and then embarked on a almost full year long tour of genre festivals from there
0: wow god
1: it was eventually picked up by a smaller distribution company called well go usa they're they're mostly known for distributing donnie Yen's movies in in
0: america in the in the u.s okay
1: uh so they got the distribution rights they released it in theaters in october of 2017 and then you know very smartly pushed out to home video december 5th 2017 so there you go yeah the the film also cut a streaming deal to be a shutter exclusive that year as far as streaming went Mm -hmm. which we talked about i think a little bit in october kind of about shutter exclusive but they make some they make some good finds there yeah Um, they do they they have a very heavy presence at genre festivals and then they they pick up these movies and say hey we'll stream it but you have to let only us stream it and then they get to market it as a as a shutter it's original sure, like, yeah. yeah the movie ultimately won favorable reviews it earned a fresh 89 percent on rotten tomatoes but it turned off some critics with its comedic tone towards the events of the film you know, a lot of people yeah. call it like gruesome or disgusting the critic for roger ebert who reviewed it gave it one star Uh, But this was my favorite. I came across this review on Google when I was doing my research for the film. You know how it kind of pops up over on the side, like some people's reviews? Yeah. Uh, This one, uh, this critic, this critic, this uh, Google user gave it one star and said, I would give this zero stars if I could, but I'll have to settle on one. I really don't understand how it's possible that anyone enjoys this movie as I found it entirely trashy, pointless and disturbing. And most of all, sick. It is wrong in every way and it left me over the bathroom sink ready to puke. I wish I could say I was exaggerating. There was no horror. If that's the reason you're interested in watching this, don't be fooled. You'll likely be gouging your own eyes out more than you would enjoy watching this film. So,
0: you know, For a bit there, I almost thought that could be a positive review. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, this sick. movie is sick. Twisted. It had me over the toilet <laughs> of the sink throwing it. I'm like, to some, that sounds enticing. Um, I'm very
1: curious what this person went in expecting. I, it's, it's streaming on so many sites now. I wonder if there's not some people who are just like, "I'm going to put a Christmas movie on." And uh... yeah,
0: yeah. When when I look at Letterbox, it's it's usually like one. It's like popular reviews right now. One star, four and a half, one star. Those are the top three reviews. <laughs> it's like we yeah, got one star, four and a half, one star, two and a half, four, four half star. It's it's like it's very like almost opposite ends of the spectrum it mm-hmm. feels like and so i wonder i think people going into it are don't like the the home invasion aspect of it because it wasn't they, they did not expect the twist in it mm-hmm. um they don't like um luke's character <laughs> it, oh it's, no it's you don't was, like the
1: murder psychopath yeah, oh wow yeah
0: it's it's one of those things where it's like it, it's it's about this i mean it's talk you can say toxic masculinity if you want to with oh, this absolutely absolutely but it's this toxic kind of child, and you're not, I, I, I you're not supposed to like him. No. You're not supposed to see his side of things. You're supposed to say this kid is fucking insane. Like is what you're trying to say. But people, I think,
1: but you do have to. The movie kind of makes you, especially once Ashley's dead, quote unquote dead. Yeah, you, you have to see the movie from his viewpoint. There's nobody else that you can yeah. kind of see the movie through. it's tricky and, yeah. and i can i can definitely understand that freaking some people out to uh to yeah. kind of see it through his viewpoint so on uh if you are one of those people don't watch the movie maniac uh and definitely don't watch the movie the house that jack built because i don't think yeah don't think you'd be in for a good time but um yeah i yeah i, I get it if you if you don't it, it can put you in a, in a weird place but um yeah. but I, yeah I, every-
0: Every negative review is like the comma incel or yeah, assist assist white toxic male.
1: It's funny. I, I I read an interview with Peck over where they're like, yeah, let's talk a little bit more about how you kind of insert like tosc- toxic masculinity in this movie. And he was like, you know what? I got so many bad reviews for undocumented being like too political. So I'm just I'm just not going to talk about it on this one. Like it's there. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding, but I'm not going to point any fingers at it because i got like so many people got mad at me for doing that last time <laughs> yeah but it's it's very obviously subtext if not text in in this movie <laughs> is uh you know the the way it you know and, and and it does have something to say for some of the other kind of john hughes types movies like like weird science it's like hey yeah. i I did this thing for you i'm the smart guy i figured this out
2: that's you're true. gonna
1: you're gonna have sex that's with me now. like revenge of the nerds it's like yeah, i've proven yeah. i've proven myself my brains are more powerful than these jocks have sex with me now and it's like no that's not that's not how that works the movies no, no, might have no. taught you that but that's not how any of this works
0: yeah it's, i mean it's usually the john john hughes comparisons with that but yeah it's like it is with weird science where the, those two guys are kind of like oh well, we like we, made we created you, you, like, you. be our sex slave <laughs> yeah
1: yeah um yeah, so some people obviously not very big fans, but it, yeah. it really did you know it's it's I think on on Rotten Tomatoes I think the audience score is like sixty seven or something, but but yeah. obviously performed well with critics eighty nine percent of Rotten Tomatoes, a lot of good word of mouth coming out of that festival run, uh, mm-hmm. but that did not do it any favors in the box office. It had a limited theater run of twenty five screens in America, uh, and it closed with uh, twenty thousand dollars domestically. Uh, it earned a grand total of 189 thousand internationally on a three million dollar budget. And what country did it perform the worst in?
0: God, if it's not U.S., is it Australia?
1: Australia. Uh, Thornquist always says they do they don't like genre films. Apparently, in Australia, that's, that's I read an interview kind of with him about his company. And they were yeah. like, "Why?" He's like, "Yeah, so we're, we we make genre films with the with the purpose of distributing them internationally." And they're like, "Why do you make films in Australia to send otherwise?" And he's like, "People in Australia don't like genre films." He says, "He said, I mean, this is 2017, but he says, yeah, family comedies, or he said the two movies that were performing really well at that point in Australia we were, were Lion." The Dev Patel movie mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. the the dressmaker with Kate Winslet. He's like, if you're not a prestige <laughs> drama or a family comedy, you're not doing well in Australia.
0: But what's so funny to me is that at the beginning of the 70s they,
1: and <laughs> then the 80s, Mad with, Max, with, the, the world that with, gave with, the, the, the yeah. country that gave the world Mad Max doesn't do genre yeah. anymore. <laughs> with
0: with because it was like it's the exploitation, like, like mm-hmm. the, that was a big wave of like. Ex, like aussie exploitation movies Mm -hmm. and became so influential a lot of directors it was kind of an offshoot of the australian new wave and that's surprising to see that like oh yeah no we don't like genre movies anymore Mm -hmm. when like so many were made there
1: yeah uh peckover i found a, a local newspaper that interviewed peckover and they said, "Hey, do you have any advice for like Australian filmmakers? Because you're someone from Hollywood who came to Australia. Do you have any advice?" And he said, "If you want to be a genre filmmaker, you have to think more broadly than Australia, because uh, genre films just aren't as valued down under as they are elsewhere. They're looked down upon here.
0: Down upon down under. Okay.
1: Gotcha. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know, not not a great." theater run there's not really a way for us to know how it did kind of digitally but it has definitely found new life in the streaming wars and specifically the christmas streaming wars because as we've kind of talked about every streaming site wants their christmas stuff everybody wants their christmas landing page everybody wants to be the the streaming site that you come to and just put on christmas movies all day long in the month of december and so everyone's buying up uh christmas movies as much as they can and apparently well go usa was like hey you guys want to buy a better watch out <laughs> we will sell it to any of you so like you said there's actually more sites than you listed earlier oh yeah, uh, yeah. it is currently streaming on peacock it's on amc plus oh wow uh, the roku channel with ads hoopla oh. voodoo which is still a thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's on Voodoo. Tubi, Canopy, Crackle, Shudder, Pluto, Plex, and Free Wow.
0: And a lot of those are free sites. It's just, it's, it's, you're, the, the ads are what are, what, mm-hmm. what you're dealing with. But yeah.
1: I pulled up, I pulled up Plex last night. It's on, it's on the land the home landing page. Oh, is page. it really? Yeah. Uh, oh, wow. Plex, yeah. They've got a, right now they've got a, like a Christmas playlist and it's Black Christmas and this are like the two and three mm. on the, on the list. Yeah. So I need to
0: add Plex, I need to add Plex TV to my my Letterbox services so I yeah. know what's on there.
1: There's a lot yeah, they've got a lot of stuff streaming on there. So uh, they also have you can stream the Hallmark uh, Christmas Movie Ooh. Channel on Plex. So uh,
0: well, I got t- I got to tell my my sister. <laughs> uh,
1: in addition, with the legacy of this film, the young cast continued on to success. At Oxenbold played the lead in Paul Dano's critically acclaimed Wildfire that came out two years after this.
0: Oh. wildlife, wildlife, wildlife?
1: Was it wildlife? That was wildlife. I, wild,
0: I think it's wildlife.
1: Is it wildlife? Isn't that it's, wildlife? It's about it's wildfires. wildfires. He's going to put out wildfires. <laughs> so so this, the,
0: you, this is with Jake Gyllenhaal, right? Yeah. yeah it's wildlife. Wildlife. Wild wildlife. Life.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, well, he's, he is going. He is going to put out a wildfire in the movie. That's the yeah. whole plot. N- uh, not,
0: not, not, to be confused with the wildlife starring Chris Penn, Leah Thompson, and Eric stiltz the 1980s, uh, written by Cameron, Cameron Crow. Totally different wildlife movie. Gotcha.
1: Uh, but yes, Wildfire with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Carey Mulligan. Okay, it was pretty good. I saw. I watched it. It was good.
0: Yeah, it's on. It's on Criterion.
1: Uh, or it's Criterion release. Levi Miller is going to be in the upcoming <laughs> uh, Craven the Hunter movie uh, for the the Sony Spider Man universe. Mm-hmm. Dacre Montgomery obviously made waves in Stranger Things and is now. Yeah. Constantly in talks. Any anytime you talk about any like, oh, who's going to be Wolverine? Who's going to be James Bond? I feel like his names He's, his yeah. names brought up uh, pretty regularly for that stuff. And then Olivia De can be seen this year as Priscilla Presley and Elvis. Yeah.
0: And and uh, uh, docker can be seen as Steve Bent, uh, Steve Bender or Binder, uh, nice. the director of the Elvis special in mm-hmm. Elvis with as little well.
1: ascot. Uh, yeah. So yeah, these these guys obviously they caught the, for for you know a fairly small genre movie. They 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 gathered a, a really promising cast of mm-hmm. Australians. So Brandon, what works in Better Watch Out?
0: Um, well, I like I like I this is what kind of grabbed me initially with the first time I watched it. I like the style of it for what it is. I like it kind of plays with the Christmas uh, style and the Christmas elements with everything. And I think that's what kind of like made with like say black christmas works i think what makes kind of these movies work is how they how they add themselves to the holiday christmas horror mm-hmm. um genre and how they how they use the things that are present
1: yeah. there i think it's interesting in this one the score between the score and kind of the christmas music they, they pepper in through the soundtrack mm-hmm. the score never really admits that it's a horror movie it's always kind of yeah. playing it as like like uh, beat. goofy yeah. home alone type type thing yeah
0: yeah and so I I like that I like that it kind of subverts what you what you are expecting with that. Um, I I do I do like the cast in this. Um, uh, I think they're all really good. I I mean I, I I think the one that always grabbed me the first time and he's still fun. This one is Ed Ox, Oxenbold. I think is 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 really fantastic as the best friend. But all of them: Olivia DeHong, Levi Miller, Dockery Montgomery. Um, I, I think I think all of them are really kind of good with what they have. Um I I think I think the kills are kind of fun too for what mm-hmm. they are. And I think it does a good job of like it's not we talked about this with, with I I guess Drive and I think I talked about with um with X where it's like sometimes you and I can be split on like how much blood should be in something. I mm-hmm. think this is a good good balance of of some gore but not a lot of gore. it kinda of sets everything off to the side off camera. Yeah, a lot I of think time. I
1: think the the pan can scene is incredibly well done. I think yeah. that is the perfect amount of leaving it up to your imagination exactly um, i've got because, i've got a little, a little trivia fact about that too but uh okay but yeah i think it it, it yeah i think it, it is it is done so well that you you get everything you need to know about that scene but you don't need to see this like crater in I his agree. head where the paint can went in
0: yeah it's it's and see whatever oozing out and i think it's good to kind of just have it in your in your mind like mm-hmm. you said and that contrast uh, about,
1: of the yellow and red is just it's so good
0: <laughs> it's so good and then, and then it's like does she, And he then he slide her against a gra- across the yellow at one point, mm-hmm. or there's somewhere like the way the way the yellow is down on the ground is great. Um, what about you? What's something that you thought worked?
1: I think yeah, I think the approach to it is is great. I think it you know is it, with us kind of talking about sometimes Christmas horror is just you you use Christmas for this like pre built setting and then you just make a horror film. And I do think this one comments on Christmas movies a little bit more. Than some of yeah. the other Christmas horror does, you know. It's, this this one is about Home Alone. It's about Hallmark movies. the the with yeah. the with the visual style, with the characters. Um, it is. It does have something to say about the, these other Christmas movies. And and I do think his kind of central thesis of viewed through any other lens,
0: mm-hmm. Kevin
1: McAllister and Ferris Bueller can be really scary. I think. I think one that is that's a great way to approach the movie. And, and two, I think they pull that off is is mm-hmm. and and you know there, it's, it's kind of become part of the internet discourse over yeah. the years is every every christmas it kind of uh, it's it's kind of played out at this point along with like is is Die Hard a christmas movie but it's like did those two burglars really deserve the amount of physical <laughs> torture that they got and, and, and we're just sitting and laughing at it but um but I, I think this this does a good job of exploring that without being too on the nose about about it and and yeah um and then as as well as you know as, especially kind of prescient for for 2017 because things have only gotten worse but i think the the kind of militarization of of confused yeah. teenage boys on the internet is um is definitely something that this touches on and and makes very clear and apparent so so yeah i think i think all the kind of the themes and even Mm -hmm. though peckover is scared to admit that this is has has like political themes to it uh they're they're there and and i I think it it pulls them off very well for something that that plays like a a black comedy
0: no yeah no i agree completely with that
1: so what does not work here
0: um i almost agree with him that it it needs to be shorter. Weirdly yeah. enough, I think I think it loses the pace gets slow a little over halfway through. Hmm. Just something, or, or maybe about the it it feels almost repetitive in certain aspects of her being tied up this many times and trying and to cut herself free and they trying to cut herself her free. And, yeah. It just it just it feels like it kind of goes on a little too long for yeah, me yeah and and, it, and and a movie that's 89 minutes shouldn't have that feeling i feel like yeah. but I, it was at one point i was like how many minutes do we have left in this because it just feels like we're hitting the same beats over and over again yeah i, I don't know uh, that
1: you need her breaking free and like making a run for it and getting hit with the brick like that's that's yeah, all just kind of there you can tell they were like oh we need a little bit action sequence here but if we, if, we,
0: need, we, need, we need the false hope that like yeah. she's gonna get out and then Mm-hmm. Doesn't and then my first I was like I was like wait so would she like a brick she gets hit in the head with a brick and breaks it mm-hmm. breaks the brick. And she wakes up pretty not I mean, not long after that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like there's some more repercussions there with the getting hit and of the brick. Yeah. That's my opinion.
1: That's that's uh, I, I have I have a long standing uh, uh, campaign to inform people about brain injuries in in film because I love yeah. the, I love action movies when it's just like we've got to transport this guy. Let's just knock him over the head and he's going to just go to sleep. And then he's gonna wake back up when we have him in the room, tied yeah. up where we need him to be, and and he's gonna be able to answer our questions. He's not going to have brain damage from from the concussion we just gave him. Yeah, uh, well,
0: because she even says like I think I have, I think <clears> she probably throat> does. Throat> she, I think I have a concussion. Yeah, and that was before she was hitting the head with the brick. <laughs> <laughs> that was when that was she when falls she fell down, down the stairs. The stairs. <laughs> yeah. Like she she yeah that's that's like I mean I know we had that conversation about Home Alone of like if they're like dead or not or should they be dead by the end of it but i think a good a good representation of what you're talking about like what should be is um uh is black christmas weirdly enough because at the end when he's like oh she's she's gone through all this stuff she's had this kind of injuries you probably don't talk to her like coherently until (laughs) till tomorrow afternoon (laughs) yeah it's like, it's, she'll wake up, but she'll still have, like, four more hours of not being coherent after all this mm-hmm. stuff. But, yeah, it feels like she's able to do all these different things after being hit in the head with a brick, falling downstairs, um, uh, also being stabbed in the in the neck as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think the pacing's a little off, and I don't know exactly yeah. where to fix it. I thought, I thought this time, watching it a second time and, like, knowing that the twist was coming... I thought the invasion, the home invasion stuff went a little too long. It's like, That's, oh, let's, I, let's, I let's run to this room and hide. That. And then it's like, Oh, we can't hide in this room. Let's run to this room and hide. Um, I, I, I agree with I, that. I don't know that it's done. It's they're very, obviously you said last week that you haven't seen the strangers, but they're, they're very obviously trying to evoke the strangers in yeah. the scene. And it's not, Um, it's, it's not, it's just not as well done as something yeah. like the strangers where me, I can't remember if the first time I watched it, if I was, engaged in that part but this time watching it i was just kind of like let's get to a twist all right let's get yeah. to it let's get to him being yeah, yeah. a psychopath
0: yeah because you have to the, like then go up to the attic and then be like, in the laundry room then get in the attic and then back down the laundry room and then in his room and it's a lot of different things uh happening um it's like you almost like uh, it's like, like do you need the spiders in there too I'll even say that. i even said yeah, this, yeah i mean
1: you need the spiders to get them out of the attic but it's like why did they need to go to the attic in the first place um
0: yeah I mean, it's smart to be in there because it's like he probably will, the person won't check this, and you
1: have the high ground. You know, yeah. starts coming up the stairs to the attic. Exactly. Just, kick him in the face.
0: Yeah, and you can get out the window if need be. Um, that, and is this not, fires- that is
1: not legally binding advice. If someone breaks into your house and you go to the attic and and something happens, you can't sue us for telling you to go to the attic during a home invasion. Yeah. We are not yeah, legally responsible.
0: We're literally doing the opposite. Of, like it's we always say, "Don't run up the stairs if you're being chased," and because there's nowhere to go. And then we're saying, "Hey, go to the attic." Yeah.
1: Um, and just kick him in think, the face. It's that easy. I th-
0: yeah, I think if you're hiding, that's what I'm saying. Um, but yeah, don't listen to me. I've, that's knock on wood. It's never happened to me. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I think that kind of part is a little slow in there. I mean, we've talked about him, and I think he's good, Levi Miller as his character. But it, it's a big jump. <laughs> it's a very big jump for he's like, I think it's a good job of setting him up. as like this like innocent kid at the beginning, mm-hmm. but then it's like a big jump to him being like completely psychotic. <laughs> and I, and I am kind of like, why in the hell is Garrett friends with this guy? Mm-hmm. Like he has to know by now this guy, because, because even like Ashley says, like you've never been this way. And I actually kind of believe her. So I don't, it's that, has he hidden this? Uh, granted, he's, he's 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 in he's probably found the internet in that amount like mm-hmm. more recently. Yeah. Well, I um, do think
1: it is a good moment when he's like Garrett. He's trying to talk Garrett into it, and he's like, you know, who I I, I faked sleepwalking to to get us out of stealing from my mom. Like yeah. I got you out of out of school that time. So Garrett Garrett knows that Luke is very manipulative. He just doesn't know that yeah. he's like violently manipulative yeah. but I, I i think that's a good little piece of dialogue to establish how okay. manipulative he is that garrett is aware of that to the point to the point where garrett would say yeah i'll go along with this as in because garrett's don't you know they're both they're both horny uh but garrett's just like dumb enough to be like okay yeah this this yeah. kid's his plots always work out his and you know that's the kind of like ferris bueller type stuff yeah you know he, he always gets his way so yeah i'll I'll help him out (laughs) yeah yeah exactly camera i'll I'll help him out and pretend to be a home invasion so he can get laid like i I do think garrett's set up perfectly to believe that that's how the night was going to go even though that's you know equally fucked up um yeah but uh but i do think they kind of set especially with that line of dialogue they do kind of set him up to be like okay yeah garrett garrett thought this was how the night was going to play out and he he thought this was the kind of person that luke was which like he 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 thought he knew like luke better than everyone else which he did but yeah. he didn't know him his true to, his true self his true, his true, farm, his true yeah. self
0: like it like the also the part with that it's like it's when garrett like kisses ashley on the cheek when he's like because uh, that's what make it makes you be like oh is is he he's also not great like is the no, thing it's not. like he he's he's like it's like she's trying to convince him but yeah he sees his mom. Like, oh i'm gonna kiss you on the cheek as i'm like undoing your like uh the duct tape mm-hmm. and you're just like why <laughs> that's again that's what makes it so it's like it's a he's he's kind of the friends that well i'm helping you i should i deserve some so, mm-hmm. sort of like reward um ask another question is like does garrett die at the end of this if he doesn't I guess, kiss her or whatever. Or is, is, is does he get shot because he's kissed her on the cheek or is he getting shot because he's letting her, like trying to let her go?
1: Uh, I think probably, because Luke uh, com- sa- probably a combination of both. But, okay. but I, like, but Luke I says, think says, like,
0: don't, don't, I told you not to touch my babysitter or whatever he yeah, says. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a combination of the two, but I definitely don't think it was part of the plan because uh, there is like a moment of that's uh, and I said earlier, I love those moments when we realize that he's, you know, really a kid. It's also those are the moments that like his real emotions come through, whether it's fear yeah. of his mom or, or jealousy over Ashley, that kind of stuff. But that, that there's a, a moment there where he is sad that he's just killed his best friend and then he just has that like, all right, stone cold face. I'm, I'm back back to the plan. I can fix this. Um, yeah so yeah it he's is. getting a,
0: he's getting a friends now yeah yeah he has to go back on the internet forums and find <laughs> somebody
1: yeah, um, it's definitely a very pessimistic pessimistic but not unrealistic view of teenage boys in this movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh anything else not work is that is that kind of your
1: Yeah, no, I think think that's. I think there's. It's 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 far from perfect movie. There's definitely. It's a flawed film. There's definitely some pacing issues, but I think it. I think it says something really unique, and it does it in a in a really fun way. And and I I'm in I'm a team. I was not disgusted by the thought experiment here, um, but I can I, I don't fault you if if you if you feel kind of bait and switched. Yeah. Into having to watch this from the point of view of a of a psychopathic killer. And that's not your. That's not your.
0: Uh, that's that's not your bag. Yeah,
1: that's not your bag. <laughs> then then give it give it one star. That's that's yeah. your prerogative.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, okay. So some film facts. We're talking about the cast that was almost on the little suburb in South Carolina. Uh-huh. Uh, we almost had a five hundred thousand dollar version of Better Watch Out shot in South Carolina, starring Selena Gomez as Ashley.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, they were in very close talks to having her in the film. This was this would have been they were casting in 2014, so this would have been about two years after Spring Breakers, and she's still trying to kind of maturify her Disney acting career. Yes. So yes. so this would definitely be something her her team was interested in. You know, get her in the lead in a in a horror movie. Um.
0: Yeah, because that that's she she, she did she had, what she had done? Did she do like a, it was a Nick Cage movie? She had, no, it wasn't Nick Cage. It was um. What was the movie? How should a Nick Cage movie, or was it a Wait, Ethan
1: hawk Didn't she do one with Ethan Hawk? Uh,
0: yes, Getaway. That's the one I'm thinking of. I was, I was like, it's similar poster to Drive Angry, as what I was thinking in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like, something with the car. Uh, that was that was not Selena Gomez. Um, yeah, Getaway was that one. That was post Spring Breakers.
1: Fundamentals of caring with Paul Rudd.
0: Yes, that was 2016 as well. Um. Neighbors to Sorority Rising. Yeah, I mean, I, I just watched that documentary of hers. um, And it kind of starts in that period, funny enough, in like 2016, mm-hmm. when she's like trying to, well, it's so it's a year later, but she's trying to shed that Disney image. Because it kind of starts off with her, it's a good movie on Apple, Selena uh, Gomez, My Mind and Me, where she's like, she's like doing her tour and she just keeps kind of like, I, I want it to be adult. I don't want it to seem like Disney or Kitty. I want like my concert to feel like I am, I'm like matured into a woman now. And so you can see it in the acting choices, like spring breakers and like this, that'd be, that'd be different for her. And yeah. now she's big with only in the building and mm-hmm. is on kind of a whole other side of her career.
1: Yeah. Uh, the scene in which Luke's parents fight over uh, his father's eccentric Christmas ornament collection was, yeah. uh, was conceived and pitched by Patrick Warburton who flew his personal antique Christmas ornament collection (laughs) with him to Australia to use. And the whole scene was ad libbed by Virginia Madsen and Warburton. Oh my God. Peckover said like Warburton called him and was like, Hey man, wouldn't it be great if there was this scene where his wife is like freaked out that he has all these like, wizard of oz uh ornaments and peckover was like oh, i guess so and he's like cool because i have all of those and it's like it's like a gone with the wind wizard of oz like all this stuff he's like I've, I've got this christmas ornament collection i'm gonna bring it to australia
0: here's the i can't i actually also have a lot of old movie movie, <laughs> movie ornaments back home so. I, I do
1: is what my my grandmother yeah. used to get me a movie themed ornament every year yeah and she would just go to hallmark and be like hey yeah let me get a movie themed ornament this year so a lot of times it was stuff i was really interested in but we always joke yeah. I, have a, I have a phaser from star trek i've never watched an episode of star trek in my life i'm just <laughs> not a star trek guy but i always not in
0: the movies i've
1: seen the first one it was fine okay. um but I, I, I hang it up every year because my grandmother got it for me but i just yeah, think yeah. it's so funny you know she rolled up into hallmark and was like all right i need something that's like a movie theme and they were like "Here, star so trek star trek phaser <laughs>
0: yeah i have have a lot i think most of them are like it's it's either like it's all older stuff from when i was like in high school or or earlier where it's like movies it was like basketball stuff as well (laughs) um a lot of different things yeah that would be a thing where like also too my family would get me them uh because the after christmas hallmark would be having like a a massive sale on their ornaments that's why i have a lot of ornaments Mm because they would just give them to me for gifts like the next year (laughs) um that's a reveal about me that you guys didn't know. I have a lot of ornaments back home with Patrick my Patrick
1: Warburton, we're right, we're right there with you, man.
0: Yeah, I, I don't feel as bad now. Uh,
1: <laughs> uh, Peckover says when uh, Dacre Montgomery arrived to set, he asked Peckover for notes on his character. Peckover said, just picture him like a young Channing Tatum. And Montgomery said, okay, got it. And that's where this performance came from.
0: That makes sense. That feels. That feels very... Uh, what's i'm like what's the kind of yeah I, I can see that like the hat feels almost like it beats me like, and, like step the early ch- step up like early channing tatum stuff before he was like big movie star channing tatum. and, like, and, and like,
1: self-aware channing tatum
0: yes yes i agree
1: um peckover has mentioned several times that khan's original script ended much more bleakly so <laughs> uh he 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 won't say like what the changes were but i do think it's kind of obvious that like uh Maybe that he Luke, got away with it. Luke was going to yeah. get away with it. Um, yeah. And so, anyone who, who says the movie's too twisted should just be happy that he <laughs> tweaked it a little bit to have him get his comeuppance in the end. Yeah. Uh, Peckover notes that he gets a lot of feedback. This is what I was talking about earlier. He gets a lot of feedback that the film is too gory from people, even though he intentionally left much of the gore to the audience imagination. Uh, Mm -hmm. he says in one interview he's like it's kind of a cool practice of like the cool effect that like people come up to me and they're like wow i can't believe you you made me like see ricky's head get bashed in and he's like i didn't i didn't show it you didn't see it but like people uh people actually like i i read he did a reddit ama and somebody was like i saw this in a festival and like i remember did you cut out did to get released into theaters did they make you cut out the head getting bashed in because i remember seeing it at the festival and he's like did you imagine that like that did it's never happened there's never been a cut of that
0: you're lying you're <laughs> lying to me well,
1: um, you know that's when, when you talk about like sometimes things are better left to the audience's imagination there you go that is uh, that's it in practice
0: yeah good job it's a good job
1: so this is also something I've seen brought up in a couple people's reviews. I myself didn't notice it, but maybe you did. Uh, so Peckover and his American producers didn't get to see the house set until a few days into construction. And they were horrified to find that the house had been built to the Australian standard for doorknob height instead of the American standard. You might think, oh, OK, doorknob. We're really going to like this is really grasping at straws to, to get mad at this construction team for building it at the Australian height. Um, but so Peckover was like, we have to redo this. They told him it was too expensive. And so he said, this was a continual uh, source of frustration for him during the shoot. So, you know, how dramatic can the difference between American and Australian doorknobs be? You might ask, uh, for reference in America, according to the American disabilities act standards, doorknobs should not be more than 48 inches off of the floor with most, the average being around 36 inches from Mm -hmm. the floor the australian standard is four feet nine inches from the floor
0: (laughs) oh my god
1: so that uh, the the, the only time i I did notice is in the laundry room uh i'm uh, the the way the camera's sitting and the way that the door is i'm like do do they step down into the laundry room why is the door so high and it's just it's just that the knob that's that's how the (laughs) The doorknob is almost five feet off the ground that's the only that's the only place i noticed it i think
0: oh yeah oh god you're right (laughs) that's like at her face Mm -hmm. like i'm looking at one in the kitchen oh wow i guess like i I never thought about that so that was an old house you know like like that's like an older door
1: god i'm sorry for anyone who's five foot seven in australia oh
0: my god yeah it's like it's It would it would be at like my chest level Mm -hmm. is what it looks like because it's almost like right at her eye level is the thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I kept reading all these interviews with him. He's like those those damn doorknobs, and I'm like, how dramatic can that be? And then I looked up the difference. I was like, oh wow, (laughs) (laughs) almost three whole feet between the literal highest you can go in America and the standard in Australia.
0: Yeah, it's, it's she's literally like she's literally like she's having to reach up to her head. Wow, that's insane. <laughs> that's insane. I I never would have thought, I never would have noticed that. Never thought about that. Never thought about it.
1: She knows just every time they had a door in the frame, Peckover's just like, oh my god, son those a, those doorknobs. A... Was it worth it? Was it worth the the three million dollars?
0: Can, can, can we can we use the CGI money in, for that instead of the spiders? Can we just like yeah. move everything
1: <laughs> <laughs> You got a great cast, but Mel Gibson screwed you over. Um, <laughs> and the doorknobs got you virginia all right award time Yep. Okay. starting with the beatrice trade award the actor actress with limited scenes that kills it
0: it's it's docking montgomery for me i just i right. just like yeah. like i mean i think you can argue patrick warburton or virginia madsen or virginia
1: madsen yeah but but yeah i think he's he's got an even more concentrated little <laughs> little scene and, and yeah he kills it yeah
0: it's just literally we're cool yeah we're cool we're cool hey actually hey 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 ashley and it's just like uh i was like oh man I was Yeah, like, so much I of it is
1: him just talking to himself because then Herself, it's just him in the it's car his... it's yeah. him like muttering to himself while he's writing this apology note yeah he just showed up director said young channing tatum and he's like all right i got this and got he it. just like acted with himself for for almost all of his scenes
0: director said cut and he heard change lives is what he is what he heard <laughs> He, right. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's fantastic in that.
1: The Beatrice Trade Award goes to our boy, uh, Billy. What's Billy, it, yeah. What's R. his R. last B. name? Uh, dear, dear Billy.
0: Dear, what is his last name in Stranger Things? I don't want to spoil Stranger Things for people.
1: Uh, <laughs> You've had a long uh, time to get through season <laughs> season two of, Oh no, season three, that's, season, three, that's, that's, that's season, season three. Season
0: three. Season that's three. Season three. Yeah, so season three. It, it is. Uh, I'm looking at. Uh, Is it Mayf No. Hargrove. Billy Hargrove. I don't know why Mm. I blanked on that. Billy Hargrove.
1: Hey. Hey, Ash. Hey. Hey. It's
2: good to see you. Yeah, yeah. We all good. Yeah. Yeah, we cool. We cool. Yeah, we cool. Fuck yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: uh all right annie potts x factor award the supporting actor actress that is the most memorable
0: i think this for me it's ed Oxenbold. i think he's kind of he's i think he's the strongest Uh, i mean there's not a lot of supporting players in this outside of the
1: the guy that plays ricky is solid i think he's he is good
0: he is he's good. the only I'm... one
1: out of this group that hasn't like blown up. So, so he didn't get as much uh, time on the episode, but, um, but he, he's, he's good in it. You I feel, you feel really bad for him, uh, with, with Digger Montgomery's character, you're like, oh, this guy's a douchebag, but, but Ricky, yeah. you're like, Oh man, he's, he's trying.
0: Cause like, cause yeah, you've established the whole, like he like, cause with Ricky it's like, Oh, he, or with Jeremy, he's like, he, he mm-hmm. so we had sex, but didn't have sex. But Ricky is kind of like, I think he's just, he is like a teenage, a a high school, like guy Mm
2: -hmm.
0: who's kind of probably a dick, but also is like still it's again, when you're at, when you're at that age, just like relationships are weird. And like, you just, your emotions are crazy. And it feels like he's just kind of like, I think it's also mix in the fact that she's leaving in three days and he's probably upset by that Mm -hmm. and why they kind of have their little fights on the phone. Um, but yeah, I think he was good too. But yeah, I think, I think Ed Oxenbold is just fun. And he has the, cause like early, what the good we talked about Levi Miller switch of Luke being like the innocent young one. to being the psychopathic killer, um, or psychotic killer, but like Garrett goes from being kind of the one you think is the troublemaker of, Mm -hmm. of the friend group. And then you turn around and find out that he's not really, he's kind of the, the more nerdy of the group it feels Mm -hmm. like. And the more like, I won't say innocent, but he's the more, um, typical teenage boy is what I would say.
1: Yeah. He's, 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 uh, you know, I guess chaotic neutral would kind of, you know, he's just a teenage. Yeah. He's, he's, he's all this teenage boy, uh, He's yeah. all this teenage boy energy, but it's not channeled towards evil like like Luke's. Is. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like you still sleep with this thing. It's just kind of like it's just you're kind of you're kind of douchey best friend that mm-hmm. kind of makes fun of you for things. And
1: yeah, it, it, and, and, like, and and it's it's a much needed character in this. Like he he's yeah. he's he's not he's not like the voice of morality in any way. But he, he no. but you do need somebody to be like I don't know if we should do this. So, so yeah, yeah it's yeah. it it's a really good ad. On uh, on Peckover's part as well that that, that yeah. knowing that that character wasn't in there before but yeah he's great in this and I was fully expecting like I said I was fully expecting to not like him in this movie having seen the visit because <laughs> M Night Shyamalan does not do him any favors in the visit his character is weirdly obsessed with rapping and we have to listen to him <laughs> rap like three or four times in that movie it's I don't know why that movie was well reviewed uh not a good movie. I haven't yeah.
0: seen it my my follow-up question was gonna be like what kind of rapping does he do like is he is he like rapping or is he rapping is he rapping like presents because it's no I'm kidding
1: um, no he he's like, <laughs> he's, he's, more, he's like grandpa give me a give me a word i'll freestyle off of it like,
0: oh
1: my god <laughs> i might watch that at some point
0: <laughs> luke truth or dare why is not to be asking me mm. did you ever tell garrett that you killed his hamster
1: what? The answer is no next turn. You said LeBron escaped out of the hole in my screen. He did. He was just dead first. What the fuck, man? It was an accident, and besides, it was like two years ago.
0: We have a cat now, so he would have died anyway. Garrett, truth or dare?
1: Why would you lie to me? Truth or dare? Dare. Dare. And you better dare us to... To, to make out or something not in your life
0: why not why do you get to have all the fun she's my babysitter you don't touch her <laughs> then what am i even doing here dude we were just gonna scare her and now this is starting to like shit what if we get caught <sighs> look I, I i don't like this man
1: so the gene hackman mvp award for the person that carries this movie
0: <sighs> this is a tough one um i think an easy choice is, is to go with Chris Peckover. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like Olivia DeHong. And I like Levi Miller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. It's the thing. Um, I think, I think she's the strongest to me of, of the actors and mm-hmm. like, in my opinion, um, which makes me almost side with her on this what what are your what are your thoughts because i'm 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 torn with
1: yeah this i think one. i think luke is a very tough role to play i think Leo miller it does it in, incredibly well but um you do kind of see the strings every once in a while but it's it, it's hard to take a 12 yeah. year old and be like <laughs> play this character who's not a 12 year old you know um yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, be patrick bateman um
0: yeah it's tough
1: um yeah i think i think she's i think she's great in this and she centers it and you're you're rooting for her and and yeah, I'll, I'll give it to her. I, I do think, as much as I like the movie, I don't think any aspect of the movie is like super strong enough to be like, oh my gosh, this person like, yeah, carries the movie. And I, I don't, I don't mean that I negatively towards the movie, but it, it, it there, there's not, there's not necessarily one point yeah. of the movie that you're like, this is like masterful. Um,
0: yeah, like there's there's cool shots in certain aspects of when they're falling backwards and stuff they do that's mm-hmm. interesting, but like directing wise, it's like there's nothing like and this is again not a bad thing is that hit the director's style does not overpower mm-hmm. yeah. anything else in
1: there yeah and and and, uh, and uh, as as kind of a writer director like i said i think he did bring some good stuff to the to the script yeah. but but yeah i think i think ultimately it, it lies with the with the two cast members um yeah to to kind of carry it which is i think is how peckover views it he's like i'm gonna set this up and shoot it like a standard christmas movie and then i'm gonna let what plays out in the frame be what sets it apart. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's up to the two of them to carry it. And I kind of want to give it both of them. But...
0: Yeah. I, I I'm torn with that. Yeah. I think, I think he is the flashier role mm-hmm. and handles it well, but I just said she is the more, she grounds the movie and she handles it well. I think she's a good as, final girl as, as mm-hmm. when it comes to horror films. So yeah, I'm okay with with giving it as a co MVP. I'm okay with being Kobe and Shaq at the All Star game that one year. <laughs> they, get, they both get the co MVPs. Um, I'm fine with that happening here with Olivia DeHong and Levi Miller.
1: Great. All right. I keep
0: like I'm, I'm mispronouncing her name every DeJong. time. DeYoung. DeYoung.
1: It's it's it's. Uh, I saw an interview with her. She said it's it's like Scandinavian, like like Nordic. Uh, DeYoung. Like, like a Viking. DeYoung. DeYoung.
0: Is this a fucking joke?
1: I... we were gonna scare you. Yeah,
0: well you did! You scared the shit out of me! Why? Why? Why would you do that? I was
1: gonna go save you, but dipshit here.
0: Luke, your friend is holding a real gun! This is serious! How could you do that? Because you treat me like a child. And what, you were gonna show me how much of a man you were by rescuing me from fake armed robbers? You are a child! I almost broke my neck! What delusional infant thinks that staging a break-in is going to get you to second base? You're mental. You're a selfish brat with no consideration, and you need therapy. Lots of it. I'm going to go put your dad's hunting stuff... No, Garrett, you I'm say gonna... right fucking there. Luke, you were in so much trouble. I'm calling
1: your parents, uh okay, final question so for the recasting, I gave you a special assignment on this one in the in the the spirit of what uh Peckover was going for if this yeah. was a John Hughes movie who, yeah. who out of out of his kind of ensemble who how would you cast this
0: well some some people are not all in his ensemble, but its okay. around the time I will all say right. I will say because that was a little bit hard to pick um I have everyone
1: all right go for it
0: everyone so for for the parents
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna go with some Curly Sue stuff. I got Jim Belushi and Kelly Lynch okay. as the parents. Mm-hmm. As the parents, that's a uh, very.
1: I can see Jim Belushi doing this.
0: I can see Jim Belushi doing the, doing doing the ornament stuff or something, mm-hmm. equivalent of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Who do you want next? I got Jeremy, Ricky, Garrett. I got multiple Lukes and multiple Ashleys. So All right,
1: let's thing. do let's do the boyfriends.
0: Okay, let's go, Jeremy. Jeremy, I got Robert Downey Jr. Okay, I think I think Downey could play that character just come in for two scenes and just like nail it great i think he'd be perfect for it uh for ricky which is the boyfriend who sadly gets hit in the head with a paint can and dies um i have josh brolin
1: okay, okay it's like yeah.
0: goonies era josh brolin absolutely okay now these next two, or, who, or who you want last is a better question do you want luke or ashley last? let's, let's
1: do luke last yeah
0: Okay, great. Well, so okay, I'm gonna give two versions of Garrett because there's it depends on the age range you want to do with this, because a typical you'll you'll get the typical Luke one, but also like it's the balance of the ages. So with Garrett, Kieran Culkin mm-hmm. is one. I think it, I think it's a little too young, so that's why I want to that one first. Okay. Uh. Um. But then I have Sean Astin as Garrett. Okay. You could also flip-flop Sean Astin to Luke if you really wanted to, mm-hmm. um, but I think he'd be a decent Garrett.
1: Yeah, I think so, for okay. sure.
0: Okay. So, Ashley.
1: hmm
0: I have three picks for this. You can tell me which one you like more. Okay. Uh, Demi Moore. Okay. For Ashley. Mm-hmm. Ally Sheedy for Ashley.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or Leah Thompson for Ashley.
1: Ooh. Okay. I, I I might go Leah Thompson.
0: Leah Thompson was my top choice, I All will right. say, because that was the first one I put down. Because I was looking at some kind of wonderful as is, is a thing, and I was like, okay, who's someone? Because I know her character in that is like kind of wrong side of the tracks. Always kind of has these boyfriends, kind of af- guys after her, but seems like she has more of a facade around her than what she really is. Mm-hmm. uh And so I think she'd be kind of perfect for that. So Leah Thompson there, okay. So for Luke, I'll get it out of the way. Macaulay Culkin's on this list. Again, might be too young for this point in time, but I'll throw mm. him out there. You have to. Yeah, the other two people I have on this list are Corey Feldman mm. for Luke. And then Will Wheaton for Luke. Oh, okay. Because Will Wheaton would have been, depending on when you do this, if it's the if it's the mid eighties, he is around he is he is like 13, 14.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think obviously we know that Macaulay Culkin could do it. Like, yeah, you know, he's he's been but Kevin McAllister. Think, he's also been Problem Child. Yeah. Um You went Problem Child. Who's, who's what's the <laughs> one he's in? Not Problem Child. What's the one he, Macaulay Culkin's in where he
0: it, he was? Yes, it was. Um, oh, what was it called? I just saw this because basically he did that movie, The Good Son. Is that the yeah, one you're talking Good about? Son? Yeah, yep. yeah. That's what I'm thinking he, about. I, I I just read that he basically. Agreed to Home Alone 2 as long as he got to be in The Good Son as a way to like balance out being typecast as Kevin McAllister. Mm. But my only thing is that he's he's pretty young, mm-hmm. like he he's he'd only be like 10 if we're doing 80s or whatever yeah. is the thing. I think
1: I think Will um, Wheaton could could do it for yeah. sure.
0: So 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 with that we got Leah Thompson as Ashley, Will Wheaton as Luke. Sean Astin as Garrett. Sean Astin as Garrett. Uh, Another Stranger Things uh, connection. Um, Mm -hmm. Josh Brolin as Ricky. Downey as Jeremy. Jim Belushi as Robert. And Kelly Lynch as Deandra. Great. I I think it's it's a good encapsulation of the time period. Like Mm -hmm. it, it sums up what it is, and also very John Hughes, but with a few kind of people that John Hughes maybe could have worked with if he made more movies. Um. Also, if you wanted it with Ricky, you could throw in John Cusack. I think if you wanted to instead mm-hmm. of Josh Brolin. So, yeah. Any any other suggestions on that?
1: I think that's great. I'd watch and that. Direct,
0: and directed by John Hughes.
1: Yeah, <laughs> or Joe Dante on a John Hughes. Or Joe, Joe
0: Dante. You might better. Yeah. Phoebe Kate's not a bad. Ashley either. I will say she wouldn't be yeah. Or or yeah, Jennifer absolutely. Jason Leigh origin for jason lee those are other Mm -hmm. those are other examples
1: uh so does this fit into any other genres other than christmas horror
0: i mean yeah it's it's a uh one crazy night movie i would say
1: yeah um
0: uh, a 24 hour movie is the thing i would also say contained movie it's contained because it's only in and around the house they don't like go anywhere else except her driving at the beginning Mm -hmm. is the only thing i can think of um you have horror comedy. You have yes, it's a ho- holly horror for sure, or Christmas horror. Yeah,
1: um, uh, kind of home invasion in the way. Home invasion, yes. In the way that almost every review I read of this brings up funny games, funny games, funny yeah. games. Yeah. Almost yes, every review, games. the the kind of go to like elevator pitch is like Home Alone meets Funny Games is is yeah. a lot of the of what I see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree with all that. But a lot of genres there actually for this small christmas horror movie
1: Mm -hmm. four
0: or five
1: so how does this fit into the the christmas horror genre
0: well i think what does very well again it's it's a movie that you can't you almost like can't take out of christmas Mm -hmm. like it it becomes a different movie yeah uh the christmas element adds a lot to it which is what what makes it kind of a really kind of underrated uh christmas holiday horror film It, it uses the 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 decorations in some way it's the it's the tying her up with the christmas lights when they could easily use something else but just as a good visual you have the carolers you have the the parents are going out for a christmas party you have the idea of like you even him the way he uses like santa standouts or whatever as a way to scare her mm-hmm. like he 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 uses it uh uh to his advantage with that if it was a different time of year It'd, it'd be very different uh, outcome of how he like does everything right um, and yeah there's something just about it like it's it's again the idea of the home aspect of it we talked about this Black Christmas where the home is where you're supposed to feel safe mm-hmm. and uh, around Christmas time specifically it's like it's where you should be the safest where everything's warm and happy and this turns it around and makes it this dark and twisted story within the home Mm-hmm. um it's this idea of like what happens behind as i said what happens behind closed doors where you have this the scene when the carolers are singing and, and jeremy or uh, uh ricky is dead inside and that's kind of this idea that you don't know what's happening behind closed doors and this genre uh during the holidays mm-hmm. yeah what about you what would you say
1: yeah and I, I mean i think it's ultimately I, I wouldn't call it a parody of home alone in any way but i think it it it, it's it's the, the the meta text is there like you can't yeah you can't i can't imagine anyone watching this movie having not seen home alone you know um
0: it does a good job of leaning into it because like some movies would try to like shy away from their references and it mm-hmm. does a good job of leaning into it enough yeah. is the thing
1: yeah so so yeah it's all kind of tied in it's 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 not only a lot of these christmas horror movies are kind of a statement on Christmas, but this one in particular is a statement on Christmas movies as a whole.
0: Yeah. I All
1: agree. right. Anything anything else to add about Better Watch Out?
0: I think that's it. I'm I I'm I mean I'm I'm happy we finally covered it. I mm-hmm. feel like it's one we've we've discussed several times. I wonder did, I can't remember if you I think you suggested when we did Christmas adjacent, but like said we should keep that separate if we ever want to do
1: mm-hmm. Christmas
0: horror. Um so we finally covered it and it's finally on here and hopefully people they, they have a lot of places they can go watch it so hopefully if you seem if you haven't watched already if you're interested in s- watching it after being spoiled go find it um yeah so also be sure we're doing some christmas stuff on our patreon or kind of december themed stuff on the on the patreon i believe this this month i believe our first episode still trying to figure it out patreon pa- still trying to play the patreon game <laughs> and we, we have we hopefully have something coming out in the next week or so we'll, we'll have two episodes i know i promise this month um, that will happen for the people who are subscribers. Um, again, the the subscriber fee for that $1, $5, $10, go check out our Patreon and get kind of the, the description of each tier and we hope you enjoy it. And thank you so much to everyone that's supporting. We've had so people kind of been supporting us this past two months or so. And it's a tremendous help with kind of creating the show. And so I thank you all who have been doing it. Uh, it's kind of been good feedback from people and people are liking the episodes. It sounds like on the Patreon. So Feel free to go check that out um, if you can. I know holidays a little bit tougher on your financials, so I get it. Um, so, but you can always, if you want to, in the new year. Go back and listen to the old episodes if you want to. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's all we have for this episode. If you have any questions for us, feel free to contact us at sendationpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, comments, kind words. Uh, And if you're a new listener or if you're a fan of the show, for some reason you haven't subscribed to us yet, be sure to do so. to stay up to date on all of our new episodes. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever your podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to write us a review on your preferred podcast platform.
1: Guys, Santa knows... If you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been listening to a podcast for a long time without ever leaving a positive review on it. That's it's it's just if you want presents this year, you got to do it. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. Santa does.
0: This is a gift for us. Don't. Yeah, we I won't make any threats. That's (laughs) what I was going to do. I was going to do something. I won't. I won't do it. But yeah, please give it. That'd be a great holiday gift for us. Five stars. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you love. Tell us what you've been, like, a uh, movie that you watched because of, of us covering on the show. Whatever you want to say. We appreciate it. And finally, don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and TikTok. Thomas, as always, thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you all for listening. We hope you listen to our episodes soon. Bye.